Serverless Computing is a cloud computing solution that lets developers deploy applications to containers without managing the servers themselves. Servers and resources are provisioned automatically, pay only for what you use, and experience little or no errors or downtime. Google Cloud Run is a managed compute platform that enables you to run containers that are invocable via requests or events. Cloud Run is serverless, transparent, and easy to use. Common use cases include web services like REST APIs, data processing, automation, and modernization. In this episode, we talk with Sturin Giannini, Senior Product Manager at Google. So this is like a perfect example of why I love Google. We could just start with just me being in love with Google. Like, I am an Android guy. So I'm an Android guy through and through. I used Chromebook fairly seriously for a little while. But, you know, I, honestly, my biggest issue is that my digital audio workstation doesn't run on Chromebook. Yeah, you know, I, I'm also doing some video editing on the side. And I would, I would not do professional video editing or audio editing on a Chromebook, even if there are some websites that are starting to use Wasm to provide some very, very powerful video and audio editing. However, for all of the rest, you know, my day-to-day -day work, including development, Chromebooks are fine. For devs, by the way, you can either use the, uh, the Linux, that Chromebooks are in the full Linux box, or I often code in the cloud with, you know, Google Cloud Shell or even GitHub code spaces. These are great. Okay, Wasm. Wasm is a great example of a technology that if I was in a uh, technology management position at Google, I would have no idea how, mu how much to invest into Wasm because it's so complex, right? And there's so much opportunity there, right? So Wasm is a very interesting tech because, you know, it started from the, the world of, of the web front end, you know, wanting to build web apps using not JavaScript, but using languages that could transpile into a binary and then would be executed on the client. But we start to see Wasm being used elsewhere now. You know, you can, you can extend Envoy, you know, a proxy using Wasm. I think some CDN companies are starting to offer like programmable edge using Wasm. So it's very interesting. This tech is very interesting. It's still very early. Like when I tried it, the ecosystem is very, very early, but it's something to watch. Yeah. Have you seen the company Glue, G-L-O-O? No, I don't think so. So there's a service mesh company that's doing Wasm modules. They've been talking about this for years now. Wasm modules connected to a service mesh, I don't understand it, to be honest. It sounds forward-looking, but I don't fully understand it. So it's probably because Envoy is a very popular piece of software used in service mesh. And you can extend Envoy notably using Wasm. So they basically picked the Wasm runtime and standard as the extension mechanism, which is very smart because there is a big ecosystem being created around Wasm so that you can transpile, you can compile to Wasm from your favorite language. I think things like Go, Rust, and assembly scripts are pretty easy to transpile into Wasm. Other languages are still experimental. And with regard to the service mesh stuff, so Istio looks like it's trying to be the Linux of the service mesh. So it almost seems like when service mesh started to become a thing, Google was the first company to articulate that service mesh is such a big platform. It's basically a platform that is of the scale of Kubernetes. 
and therefore Google was was really trying to make a bet that was almost like a Kubernetes-sized bet into the Istio service mesh narrative. Would would you say that's accurate? I I was not involved enough to be able to to comment. I think Google, the same way Google was using containers for a while before Docker, Google was also relying on service meshes internally. And then when when container became a thing and Kubernetes became popular, the next logical step was, okay, let's now bring service mesh to the world the same way we've been using them internally. You know, Istio is a great piece of software. I know there are other service meshes, but uh, I'm not I'm not the best person to comment on them. Got it. So I think probably the domain where you are best best uh, equipped to comment is the cloud run domain. Would you say that's accurate? <laughs> exactly. So I, I'm Steren. I'm the product manager lead for Google Cloud Run. Uh, something that uh, we had the chance to to talk about the two of us two years ago when it launched. When I think about Cloud Run as a product identity, I think of it as the best answer to the cold start problem. Essentially, you want to spin up infrastructure, we're going to right size that infrastructure for you, we're going to let you spin it up, and we're going to take away all the headaches associated with getting that thing started. Is that right? So yeah, compared to uh, functions as a service, it's true that CloudRun addresses better the cold start problem. So to recap, CloudRun auto-scales container images based on certain factors like incoming number of requests as well as CPU utilization. So in, in some sense, you have nothing to worry about, like you know, no cluster, no infrastructure management. So this is why we qualify it as serverless. However, you know, a big, a big players in the serverless space are also the functions as a service category. And here, in addition to this auto-scaling and you know, fast, rapid scaling and scale down to zero capabilities, they also force you to write your code in the, in the shape of a function, which you know, makes a lot of sense when you want to do one thing, uh, reacting to events. However, another characteristic that come from that restriction is the fact that a function instance will always process only one event at the same time. Therefore, if you go from zero event to like a thousand being sent at the same time, that means that the infrastructure has to spin up a thousand function instances to absorb those events. And on CloudRun, it's a little bit different because you can process multiple events or multiple requests at the same time on a given container instance. And as you know, many software, many programming languages do very well with what we call concurrency. Node.js, Go, Java, they all have been designed to handle multiple requests at the same time on the same process or or, or container. So that is one reason why CloudRun addresses better the call start problem than a function as a service. Now, you know, since we talked two years ago, we've added to CloudRun the ability to just say, hey, give me some warm instances pre-warmed. So basically, customers can say, I want two instances always warm. I will pay for them a little bit less than when they are processing requests, but I want them to be here so that I don't have this zero to one call start. And lastly, we've been you know, constantly improving our infrastructure. So when we launched two years ago, if you had N instances, 
and suddenly we decide that you need n plus one. We were starting this instance, this n plus one instance, but we were also sending traffic to it right away. So that means that if it took like 30 seconds to start and we see customers having container images taking 30 seconds to start, notably around Java, Spring Boot, those kind of things, then you might have had a request that was waiting for 30 seconds to be processed. So what we changed is that now we wait for your container to be listening for events or listening for requests before we send anything to it. I've done a number of interviews over the years with the Heroku team. And do you know anything about how, how Heroku does like instance pooling and stuff? So I've used Heroku in the past 10 years ago. I was really a big Heroku user. I built a startup on it. However, I've never dig deep into how they do auto-scaling. I think there are many strategies for auto-scaling. Even the one that you know are used in some other clouds or even in, in open source projects like Knative, they are different from the one we use in CloudRun. So I think everybody is using a specific source for auto-scaling. I do not know which metric uh, Heroku is using to, to scale out or in at the number of uh, instances. So Heroku is this big optimization problem because they have to acquire enough infrastructure to be responsive with the various peaks and troughs in demand. And their whole margin structure depends on how, how well they can do that. It's kind of crazy. Like, they just have to acquire lots of instances, slice them up into pools of dynos. They, I think it's literally their business is like acquire EC2 instances, slice them up, and warm them properly, and then build a lot of technology around that scheduling problem. And then, like, doing that internal scheduling exercise has been a just a continuous problem at Heroku. It's like Heroku is one of those things, it's like Dropbox, right? Where people look at it and they say like, hey, why hasn't the product like advanced over the years? And the thing is like, actually the product has advanced. It's advanced to like they built things like Heroku Kafka, for example, it has advanced on that tier, but they basically have to advance pretty slowly because the problem that they're solving is so big and immense and like categorically hard that they, they really have to be kind of careful about it, right? Because they're like, they're the first layer two cloud provider. Like they're the first successful layer two cloud provider and they don't really know how to manage it properly because there's no like well-trodden way of doing this. So yeah, that's very interesting because what you describe here is basically what we have to do every time we open up CloudRun in a new Google Cloud region. So as of today, uh, CloudRun is available everywhere. Google Cloud uh, has, a, has a data center. You know, when we, when we met two years ago, CloudRun was available in maybe one region or, or four, I forgot, but today it's like more than 25. And as anytime we open up a new region, well, we do have to pre-reserve a number of uh, capacity, like a, a certain capacity, because the promise we give to CloudRun users is you will deploy to CloudRun and then you will scale out potentially very fast if you need to. So we at Google, you know, need to pre-reserve some machines in which we, on which we install uh, basically the CloudRun infrastructure and we reserve for CloudRun. So yeah, I can tell you that anytime we open up a new region and when we have zero customer, the margins are not so good, right? But the whole thing is about uh, over time, uh, customers, you know, adopt this region 
and it is sized appropriately so that it can absorb a peak, you know, and it can be automatically resized if needed. But really, like the promise that we give to customers of, of fast scaling, it's not fast scaling to infinity. There is nothing like that. Actually, in CloudRun, if you want to scale to more than a thousand instances, you have to click a button to increase your quota because we want you to talk to us in that case because we want to walk alongside the customer to make sure that we have enough capacity in location where they want to scale out uh, to, to meet their demand. So that's why if you want to go more than a thousand, you click a button and you talk to us. And you know that's not a problem because the infrastructure we are using is very close to the one we've been developing for App Engine, which you know was released maybe along, alongside Heroku a long time ago. And so Google has a lot of expertise into this rapid, automatic, automatically scaled kind of products. With Heroku, you have this economies of scale thing where the constraints of the dyno, the idea of the dyno is their unifying abstraction that they can play with. And then they have this big instance pool that they're allocating across the entirety of Heroku. With CloudRun, so is CloudRun more like well, CloudRun is is it is the the Google Cloud implementation of what's the open source thing? Open source equivalent. So, Knative is K-Native, the project right, that we right. yeah. So let me maybe recap for the audience uh, the relationship between CloudRun and Knative. So two years ago, when we launched CloudRun, we already had launched Knative, which is an open source implementation of basically an autoscale, a container autoscaling system on Kubernetes that makes it basically build your own Heroku on top of Kubernetes. If you, if, if you use Knative in your Kubernetes cluster, you basically have a Heroku, except you don't have the build step, but the build step, you can easily do it using other open source pieces. So CloudRun does not use a Kubernetes cluster or the Knative open source project. But CloudRun offers a portability with the Knative uh, API spec because the CloudRun API actually implements the Knative API specification. So that means that if you use CloudRun, the, the resources that you create, you can copy paste their YAMLs into, into a Kubernetes cluster with Knative installed and you will have the same thing running. So this is a relationship between CloudRun and Knative. And, and yeah, to, to come back to Heroku and Dynos, uh, I think overall, you know, you should think about as CloudRun as a system that autoscales container images. And when they are autoscaled, they are autoscaled as container instances. So a number of autoscaled container instances will be similar to a number of Dynos on Heroku. And so if I spin up my own Knative system, does that mean that I'm assuming the responsibility of, of doing some of this scheduling or like how much configurability is it to the, is there to that like pooling system or is there a pooling system in Knative, like the, the, the instance pooling kind of thing or what, how does that look? So the idea is that Knative offers the same in-cluster autoscaling as you would get if you were to use CloudRun on, on Google Cloud. So the idea is that Knative will autoscale container instances quite fast, depending on the number of requests they receive or the number of uh, the CPU utilization. I think you can even customize 
the exact metric you want to use to autoscale uh, in Knative. And, and all of those container images that are autoscales, they implement what we call a service. So a service has a unique endpoint and a service is, is autoscaled by the system. So the number of container images, or the, or the number of container instances that a certain service will have depends on the number of requests this service receives, as well as how uh, busy the CPU is for the existing container instances of that service. And so, you know, as I said, the implementation in Cloudrun is different from the one in Knative, but the idea is the same. A service can scale down to zero. A service, you know, when you create it, you give it a container image. And then the system will autoscale those container instances uh, to handle the incoming load. On Knative, of course, you are limited by the capacity of your cluster. On CloudRun, it's a little bit different because it's a, it's a multi-tenant, fully managed system. So the only limit that exists uh, is the limit of the capacity of Google CloudRun in the given region you are in. And in that case, it's, it's usually way bigger. I'm really curious about how you do the open source versus closed implementation. Do you look at Knative as a reference implementation for Cloud Run or just like a vague inspiration? Are you actually using code from Knative in Cloud Run? So we made sure to respect the same uh, API specification. So Knative is both an API reference as well as a reference implementation. And CloudRun really implements the Knative API specification, but does not use the Knative implementation. And you know, this, this means that we had to uh, collaborate with the open source community on, on, on this API standard. In the very early days of, of Knative, the CloudRun team was very involved into defining that API specification. And the, the implementation itself, I think we might be sharing uh, maybe some... Um, a little bit of tests and maybe some ways to generate to generate API clients, but the actual implementation for the uh, the autoscaling system is not shared. It's two different implementations of the same API specification, which I think is very healthy, but they are not like hundred percent matching. Like some things are are supported in in CloudRun and some things are supported in Knative, but but the majority of the the contract stays very, very much the same. Fascinating. So in productizing this, what I think is interesting, you have an interesting product development process because you're offering a kind of abstraction that doesn't really exist. I mean, there are parallels. I get what's the closest, so the closest thing is like what Amazon ECS or Azure what is it? AKS? Is that what they have? The 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 Azure. It's an interesting. Or ACI. Question, but... oh, ACI. Sorry, ACI. 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 Exactly. Azure Container thing. Whatever. So we we have to to mention um, that Amazon has its its own infrastructure for basically containers without VMs, and they they gave it the the brand Fargate. But Fargate is basically a backend for their container uh, service. Uh, EKS, or I mean, they have two container services, so EKS or ECS. And and as you as you said on on Azure, the the player is actually SCI, which is also containers without VMs. However, interestingly, that was the answer I would have given you to the question, you know, a month ago, 
very recently, Amazon released something else, which is um, AWS App Runner, which is very much similar to what CloudRun is. So it brings, in addition to the containers without VMs, it brings the developer abstractions that CloudRun has been bringing for the last two years. So, you know, when if you have used CloudRun, you will see that, you know, the only thing you need to provide is, is a container image. And actually, in the past two years, we've even worked on making sure we can easily build that container image from a Git repository or even deploy your local source code into a container image and then gets deployed to CloudRun. So there is, in addition to the fundamental capability of auto-scaled containers without VMs, there is also a developer productivity value that CloudRun is bringing to the table. And AWS has been answering to that by releasing a new, a new product, which is called AppRunner. But, but really, like if we come back to CloudRun, that it is really a piece of infrastructure, as well as the value of productivity that you get when you use CloudRun. And we know that you know, we are doing well here because we get, we get tremendous feedback from the community online, the developer community, that you know, when they use CloudRun, they, they deploy and they don't think about it anymore. But also internally, we measure you know, the satisfaction of the product in absolute and also relative to other Google Cloud products. And CloudRun really is always at the top of the satisfaction of our customers. Your description of the AWS stack reminds me of why we need multiple big cloud providers because the AWS design is so definitively AWS-y that it's like, I don't, I don't like the fact, I wouldn't like a world where that was the only option because basically the AWS stack is like, basically we're going to like Amazonize all these different abstractions and make them basically firewalled from you in terms of like maximal configurability. And I, I just feel like, or even at a minimum, we're going to offer you the Amazon flavored containerization experience, which maybe that's what you want if you're fully bought into the AWS like event-based, like event operating system for your distributed architecture like maybe that's what you want that's fine but like i also want the option to have something that's built off an open source reference implementation plays nicer with a wider array of, of paradigms which is kind of how i view the google ecosystem i don't know maybe you could tell me like ideologically how you're thinking about this stuff so i can tell you that from the early phases of the product design of cloud run we took as a guiding principle openness and portability because we've been hearing the fact that customers felt locked in when they were using App Engine or Cloud Functions. And that is true. You know, for the last 10 years, App Engine customers, they, they have benefited from proprietary SDKs that they cannot get outside of App Engine. So on CloudRun, we said, okay, you know what? What you're going to deploy to CloudRun is going to be a standard container image, like a, a Docker image or an OCI container image. So first, the deployment artifact has nothing proprietary. There is no proprietary API to implement. There is no SDK you have to use, not even a list of languages or language versions. No, no, no. As long as it's a container that respects a very small contract, which is that it has to listen on a certain port, then you're good to deploy it to CloudRun. So you, you first have the portability of the container. And by the way, I think the industry has 
evolved to standardize on the container, and that's a good thing. Like regarding cloud provider portability, today, if you have containerized your workloads, it, is much, it will be much more portable to between clouds than it was before containers, right? I think this is an amazing thing that the industry has agreed upon, the, the, the packaging format, right? And then we, we are building many tools around this packaging format. The, the build tools, the CI/CD tools, the security scanning tools, they all have standardized on the container image. So that's already a, a tremendous win for the industry. And that's why, you know, very early in Cloudon, we said, you know what, it's a no brainer. We are going to accept container images as the deployment artifact. But we haven't stopped here. As you said, we also wonder, hey, it's not only about the container, it's also about all of the config around that container and maybe it's also about the behavior of the platform and so that's why we went the extra mile and we actually started the knative project to let customers know that in case they want to take out they can take out their containers but they can also take out into a reference implementation that will basically do the same in their on their own infrastructure so that was a very strong message that we we invested in very early as we were developing cloud run and lastly, I think to step back and not only talk about Cloud Run, I think you know the cloud provider portability uh, really uh, improved uh, thanks to to Kubernetes, right? We have many customers who who really value the fact that the Kubernetes control plane uh, is available on AWS, is available on Google Cloud, is available on Azure, can be deployed on premises, and the control plane will be standard. The the, the resource model will be standard. And so that, I think, is also a win for the industry, right? The discovery of containers as the packaging format, but also the discovery of this joint uh, API specification, which is the Kubernetes-style API, which we call Kubernetes resource model. I think this is pretty strong that the industry has agreed to support these uh, across clouds. Not to take you off the ball, but just to come back to, to WebAssembly real quick, is there any chance that the WebAssembly module is the next container as like the deployable artifact of choice? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that you're right, that a WASM binary is very portable. You can, you know, the WASM defines the, the standard binary format that executes on every platform. Well, that, that reminds us a lot about containers, right? That being said, the fundamental difference is that to containerize an existing software, you basically have to put all of its dependencies into a container and that's good to go, especially if this software was already Linux-based. To transform into a WASM binary, an existing software, most of the time you cannot do it without like massive changes in its code base or, or, or its dependencies. Right. Yes, it is easy for something that is purely code written in, in a certain language, but as soon as you want to, to, to create a WASM binary out of something existing that has a lot of dependencies on a lot of uh, language modules or even operating system modules, then you cannot like package this into WASM. No, no, that's not how it works. You basically have to compile the code into a WASM binary. And if the, if the tools aren't there to compile this code into WASM, uh, it will be very hard. Yeah, but that said, you could you could imagine a world where all that tooling is taken care of, right? And somehow we just magically get everything compiled down into Wasm, and it's deployable anywhere, right? I mean, it seems intuitively 
intuitively, if you could invent a world where this could all become magically a possibility without any work, it seems like a better deployable artifact than a container to me. So yes to what you said, which is that, you know, I mentioned earlier that the Wasm ecosystem is still very early. If you give it a try, you will see that it's quite hard to, to compile to Wasm your favorite language. But I, I totally expect that to change over time. And you're right that the, the Wasm binary, the fact that a browser vendors have agreed to support it, just this, just on the browser side, the fact that we have a binary format that, that all browsers can execute is amazing. Because now, you know, we talked about audio and video editing in the browser, and then now that's possible. And that wasn't possible before with only JavaScript. And, you know, one step further, now you can WASM and Node.js. So Node.js, as you might know, has a lot of native dependencies. Well, we could replace most of these with WASM. And in that case, they would become very much, you know, portable and not have to, and not rely on any native um, operating system capabilities or native packages, right? And you know, like FFmpeg, for example, transcoding a video uh, today, the Node.js FFmpeg module probably uses FFmpeg binary that you get from your operating system package. Well, tomorrow I hope that there will be a Node.js pure JavaScript plus Wasm FFmpeg package that doesn't rely on any operating system package. So you see how it, it has escaped from the browser just, just with Node.js. And as I mentioned earlier, there is also now the, the fact that Wasm by itself is a portable format that can be used to extend Envoy to run anywhere. So that's, that's a very interesting nascent ecosystem that we are seeing here. But to come back to containers, I think, you know, if you have files and software today, the easiest is to package them into a container. What is a container? It's basically a zip file. Of, it's, it's basically layers that are zip files, and we all agreed on what they contain and how to describe them. And, you know, it, this is much easier to create than creating a Wasm binary. I mean, am I thinking idealistically or am I thinking like is it is it not a correct future to even think about this because like maybe the container is just good enough and like we let's do everything with containers going forward and like WebAssembly basically should be relegated to making the browser work better and more dynamically and like let's just not even think about the the WebAssembly module as a deployable artifact yet I don't know it seems to me like a red herring like we've already got enough like bandwidth that people are spending on improving the deployable artifact by making it a container. Let's not even think about, like, I just sort of think this whole Cloudflare worker thing, like let's deploy WebAssembly. It seems like it's we're not ready for that yet. I don't know, am I crazy? Like, do so we I want think you're, you're right to say that this is a, a very interesting packaging format that has very interesting capabilities because contrary to containers, which rely on an, a, a runtime, Wasm can be executed in a much more lighter way and potentially having better characteristics, uh, like cold starts to come back to the cold start. However, you know, let's let's face it, like most customers are still struggling to modernize their businesses. And you know, most customers are still in that journey of migrating from on-premises to VMs or even from you know VMs to containers. It's not going to play well if you go and meet a customer and tell them, oh, you have to rewrite all of your code base in order to compile to a WebAssembly binary. 
you know, like it's much easier to say, you know what, write this Docker file and you will have a container out of your existing software. That is a much easy, <laughs> easier story to tell when it comes to uh, modernizing applications. Now, I totally agree with you. If you are starting from scratch and, you know, you mentioned Cloudflare workers and you, you want to do some lightweight processing at the edge and you are not shy of writing it from scratch, yeah, taking, taking a look at, at, at Wasm can be interesting. But, you know, most software will need to, to be migrated in some ways. And this is where the challenge come if you are looking at migrating them to Wasm. But yeah, it's, it's a very interesting tech to, to watch. I, I just said you know, earlier that I think the industry has agreed that you know, containers are the deployable artifact. And this is what we should leverage. Like we are still, many customers are still not using containers when it comes to packaging and deploying and releasing software. And what are your biggest problems these days? So like, do you have like, I assume, so like, modern cloud like google cloud has all kinds of interesting problems there's like marketing problems there's go-to-market problems there's implementation problems there's engineering problems I, I shouldn't even call them problems maybe just like tasks to be done but what are the sort of like highest order impact things that you're concerning your time with these days that's a good question so i, I should say first that for what it is designed to do Cloudon is doing very well so we see a Great adoption numbers, great uh, growth for this product. But as I mentioned earlier, it is designed to do auto-scaled request or event-based services. And that, actually, if you step back, that's just a small fraction of what our customers want to do in a cloud. Not, not every service has to be auto-scaled. Some services actually want you know, need to be manually scaled and maybe, and maybe pull some data instead of receiving events or receiving requests. All right, so what we see here is that Cloudon is, is great, receives great you know, usage as well as satisfaction scores for what it is designed to do. And what we are looking at now is how can we expand what Cloudon can do? And you know, things like maybe looking at non-request-driven workloads or today in CloudRun, the CPU is allocated to a container only when it is processing at least one request. But you know, some workloads don't play well with that. Some workloads expect to have CPU as long as the container instance exists. Right? So removing those limitations, as well as changing how to use CloudRun can, can actually ex expand the CloudRun addressable market and make it grow even even more. So that, that that's basically what I'm spending a lot of time on. You know, over the last two years, you probably, uh, you know, we, we've released so many things that we are basically, again, removing the limits of the cloud run of two years ago. So a lot of investment has gone into connectivity with VPC networks or even making a cloud run service internal only. Like when we shipped cloud run, the endpoint was protected by IAM, but was still exposed on the internet. Now you can completely disconnect the, the endpoint of the service from the internet. Uh, we've, you know, we've increased the instance sizes, going from one CPU when we launched to uh, four and, and soon even more. Same for memory, we now go up to 16 gigs of RAM. So basically expanding the, the limits of CloudRun, as well as expanding what it can do, 
is what I'm spending a lot of time on uh, in order to expand the addressable workloads that you can deploy to CloudRun. Because the, the alternative is then, okay, then now you have to go back on VMs. And, and we, you know, the vision that, that I have for CloudRun is that the same way we've seen you know, physical hardware disappear from our day-to-day uh, -day life, and you know, today we only focus on, on VMs. We don't think about the physical hardware anymore. And we might see the VM disappear from our day-to-day -day life and in order to focus only on the container. And that's the promise of you know, containers without VMs, containers without infrastructure, where the, the unit becomes the container and not the virtual machine anymore. And can I, can I just ask, what's your contract or what kind of services or, or can you offer any kind of relationship to the Firebase team, for example? So, you know, I love Firebase, right? And the way I see Firebase is like, what if Google had its own Heroku? And it does. It's Firebase. It's not exactly Heroku. It's sort of a different approach. It's like, what if this thing that we're focused on is actually the database what if we like look at the database as the zone of data gravity and then we build infrastructure solutions that are attached to that? I don't think it's necessarily like the best way to look at infrastructure, but it's a way. And I think it's actually really useful for newer programmers because it gives them a sort of an authoritative, like Rails-like experience as a cloud provider. That's what that's what, why Firebase is so beautiful. And then it has safe on-ramps, right? Safe on-ramps to real infrastructure, basically. If you need to get away from the Firebase pricing structure, there's a way to do that. It's not easy, but there's a roadmap to doing it. So I just wonder, like, when you're looking at building basically the next generation of Google Cloud infrastructure, what do you do? Do you talk to the Firebase team, or do you just sort of like partition? Yes, we talk a lot. Actually, uh, we integrate uh, with Firebase. So let, let me talk about the integration, and then I'm going to talk more broadly about about the Firebase use cases. Today, CloudRun is about creating services that are container-based. But if you want to do a website or a web app, then you don't only need the server-side compute. You also need all of the client-side you know, JavaScript and, and maybe the caching layer that CloudRun doesn't provide. So to get that, you can integrate Firebase hosting with CloudRun and, and make sure that Firebase hosting will serve your static content you know, your, your JavaScript, your static assets, they will be served by the, global, the globally distributed Firebase infrastructure. And some requests, maybe the ones going to your API, will, will pass through and be sent to CloudRun, which itself will autoscale depending on the number of requests. So this integration already exists and, you know, existed from day one. And that is how we can nicely address the use case of a website or a web app that need both very rich clients in JavaScript, HTML, CSS, uh, as well as very powerful backends with any language. It can be Rails, it can be Python, it can be Java on CloudRun. So using the two, Firebase Hosting and CloudRun works very, very well today. And that's what I use personally for my side projects. I put CloudRun behind Firebase because the CDN can also cache the, the request sent to uh, Firebase, uh, to CloudRun. So that means that maybe my API will offer a get endpoint, and this endpoint can be cached on Firebase hosting CDN so that the next request that comes in won't even reach my container because it can be returned by the globally distributed cache. So that is how Firebase uh, hosting can integrate with, with CloudRun. Now, Firebase 
as a product suite, because it's a product suite. There are many things in Firebase. I must say it is more targeting the mobile and web uh, developers. And the great thing about Firebase is that it, it has allowed uh, mobile developers to, to store data in the cloud without even needing to write any server. You don't need to create an API in Rails, for example, if you want to store data from mobile apps into the Firebase real-time database or Firestore. That's great. That, that's something very new, actually. And similarly, for web developers, Firebase offers Firebase hosting, which is a great way to, to host you know, uh, progressive web apps and just you know, web pages if you want to. And the on-ramp is that, well, a Firebase project is a Google Cloud project. When you use Cloud Functions for Firebase, actually, you are using Cloud Functions. When you use Cloud Storage for Firebase, you are using Google Cloud Storage. And if you open up your GCP project, you see all of those things in the Cloud Console. So it's basically a shared backend, but presented for a specific target audience and specific use cases of mobile and web development. Uh, now we are always working close closely with the Firebase team to make sure that you know those integrations work be better. The on ramp from Firebase to Google Cloud works great. So yeah, we we still have work to do, but uh, things already work quite well together, and people talk to each other. I would correct the fact that Firebase is the Heroku of Google Cloud of Google. I think Firebase is is much more around static web apps progressive web apps than, than server-side code. Like Heroku is about, I can, like by default Heroku was, I can run my Rails application on without worrying about the infrastructure. Well, that is actually, that is Cloud Run, that is App Engine. What Firebase is providing is the mobile and, and web uh, hosting solutions, as well as an entire uh, suite of products around monetization and, and advertisement. I mean, I won't get into a semantics debate with you. I have my own framing of Firebase. I really like Firebase. I mean, I think they're basically like the same things. It's like, you know, Firebase is just a different window into the same world that you're getting, which is just great. Maybe like Firebase is what Google App Engine should have been all along or something like that. I don't know. Whatever whatever marketing you want to use. It's just I, I love Firebase and it's like, it's like literally the only thing. Thing. There's a few things that I'm I could potentially use instead of Firebase to build a project. Like I like Supabase. I think that's really cool. I wish Google would acquire Supabase and just make it like uh, make it make it really clear <laughs> who wants to own the Firebase space the most. But probably that's not even possible. Render.com I think is really interesting. But anyway, as far as I can tell, like Firebase is still the gold standard for deployments of like people who want to be hipsters and developers at the same time. And then like Cloud Run is sort of like the next generation for serious businesses. I don't know. I like the way Google does things. It's really interesting seeing the dynamics of the Amazon, Google, Azure ecosystem. Do you think of of this like competitive mindset when it comes to building cloud stuff? Or do you just like think for more of a first principles, like let's learn from what we did at Google sort of thing? I must say, if we take a look at Cloud Run, we took a you know a, a developer first approach and not looking at the competition. Actually, the thing that we launched two years ago when we met uh, the two of us did not have a clear competitor. Like Cloud Run, this this idea of super easy auto scaled containers without infrastructure. Yes. 
Fargate existed, but Fargate was basically a backend for a container you know, management system like EKS or, or ECS. And Clodon was much simpler than that. Clodon was much more targeting the developer. So we actually, to, to do this product development, we really iterated on listening to, uh, to our user base, which was developers, and, and kept iterating, iterating on, on what we believed was a great experience and trying to validate as much steps as we could by doing user studies, you know, get, gathering feedback from a large group of testers without necessarily looking at what was elsewhere. Of course, you one might take inspiration from great things you can see elsewhere. And Firebase was one of my inspiration. Like if you look at the cl Google Cloud Run command line, it is quite smooth. You know, the instead of uh, creating errors when you are missing an argument, it's actually going to prompt you to provide the argument. Uh, it's showing pretty well crafted uh, progress indicators. So all of this was, I took this inspiration from the Firebase command line, which is amazing in my opinion. But, but in terms of competitiveness, for CloudRun specifically, it was really developed as a way to say, okay, you know what? We believe customers like function as a service, customers like Cloud Functions, but Cloud Functions comes at great, great, great limitations. Like when you use Cloud Functions, you cannot pick your own language you cannot have multiple requests arriving on the same instance at the same time. And we said, you know what, let's, let's reinvent this a little bit. And let's see what it could be if we took a container-first approach on the same infrastructure as the one that is powering Cloud Functions. Anyway, so much more we could have gone into depth in. Uh, we, I, I know we need to wrap up. Anything else you want to talk about, like in the last couple minutes? No, well, thanks, Jeff, for... For the interview, you know, you were probably the first person to interview me after the launch of Clodon. Literally, I launched in the morning and the, in the afternoon, we were sitting together. I just want to send to the audience the message that for the past two years, we've been very, very hard at work delivering uh, new features to Clodron. So if they had checked it out two years ago, I invite them to check it out again today because a lot of things have changed. A lot of improvements have landed. A lot of fixes have landed. And yeah, we are always looking for, for feedback on uh, how could CloudRun help you better with your businesses. So like maybe you have a workload that doesn't fit on CloudRun. As I said during the interview, let me know because I'm always looking at making CloudRun a better fit for more workloads. So give it a try. We know it's, um, it has a great developer experience because developers tell us this because we measure the satisfaction. And so we are pretty sure that you you're going to like it if you give it a try. Staran, thank you for coming back on the show. Consider yourself the holder of, a, of an outstanding invitation because I love talking to you about this stuff. Thank you, Jeff. It was great, you know, talking about Wasm, talking about many other things during this interview. And thanks for the invite, Jeff.